0: Well, I'm excited to spend this week and next week talking about vision. We were, you know, next week we were actually supposed to start Romans, but we actually pushed it ahead uh, uh, one week further down the road, and which I'm really glad that we did that because it gave me an opportunity for this week and next week to talk about vision. And so I'm really, really excited to be able to talk a little bit about that and drill down a little bit on vision. And so uh, before we dive into that, I want to share some really good news. Um, as some of you remember, we've, we've been fundraising for a well to put in Sierra Leone, Africa to try to give clean drinking water to a community in Sierra Leone, Africa. And uh, I just wanted to share uh, the really good news after we spent two years and we put of our love week, a lot of our love week offering went towards that. And over the Christmas, we put a push on, and I just wanted just to celebrate together as a church that we did raise the $13,000, and a well is going in Sierra Leone, Africa. So praise God for that. Yeah. Yeah, we even got a little, whoo, which is awesome. Way to go. Um, and so I love the church. I love that the church, like, we get to do stuff like that, right? Like, we get to be a blessing. Like, isn't it amazing some of the stuff that the church gets to do? Like, we get to bless and meet needs of other people, and we get to share this amazing hope that we have in Jesus that he forgives people of their sin and brings people into relationship with him. Like like, the church is God's chosen instrument to do all these amazing and wonderful things. I love the church. I love the church the way that God designed the church to be. And as we look at the book of Acts, Acts gives us this amazing picture of how Jesus intended the church to be. Warts and all, like Even in Acts, you see, like, there's some challenges and messes that they got going on in the book of Acts. Like, people were getting saved and being part of the community that they were just trying to figure out how to meet all the needs. But there was mess, but there was also a lot of beauty and a lot of changed lives. And and God was just doing some amazing things in the church in Acts. And so we're going to go there to Acts chapter 4 here in a second. But before we get into Acts 4, I want to talk a little bit for just a second about how did, you know, how did the church even start? Like, where in earth did the church come from? How did we get to Acts chapter 4, where we see this beautiful picture that the Lord paints for us of how the church is supposed to operate and function? And we had a—I we was at Alpha on Thursday night, and we had someone ask one of the questions, and I love when people ask questions about God. I just, like, I love it so much. And one of the people asked a question, well, like, how did the Holy Spirit come? And, like, basically the same question of, like, how did the church get started? And that's a really great question. And we learn through the reading of Scripture that Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He suffered on a cross for my sin and your sin. And he died. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And Jesus promised that it's better that I go away. Because when I go away and ascend to the right hand of God, I will send the Holy Spirit. And so that's exactly what happened. Jesus appeared multiple times after he resurrected from the dead. And then he ascended to the right hand of God. And on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to fill those people that were waiting in that upper room with the Holy Spirit. And on that very day, the church was born. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of people. Before the Spirit came upon people, but for the very first time, the Holy Spirit was inside of people. And it's in that moment that Jesus filled those people with his passion and his power and enabled the church to go forward with boldness to proclaim this message about this resurrection of Jesus. And so that's kind of how the church got born. And so, Acts chapter 2, that happens. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, gets up and preaches this message. And guess what happens? 3,000 people become Christians. And it's this amazing move of God. And people, 3,000 people were forgiven for their sin. 3,000 people were adopted by Jesus and experiencing this transformation that God offers to everyone. And so the church got started. And they started hanging out together. They started having fellowship and if you read the end of Acts chapter 2, they were listening to the apostles teaching, they were breaking bread, they were in like they were community because they were family where they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And God starts doing amazing things and there's a little bit of persecution that happens in Acts chapter 3 and 4. But that don't matter because guess what's happening? More and more people are becoming Christians. And more and more people's lives are literally getting changed. People that are lost that don't know Jesus are becoming Christians. And needs in the community are starting to be met. It's this beautiful picture of the church. You see, Jesus filled the church with his passion and power to start a movement to change lives. And the church was born. And people rallied around this. Because people saw that lives were being changed. And they're like, we we want in on this. We got fear of missing out. We don't want to miss out on this because because God is doing stuff and I want to be part of it. And so you see Acts chapter four, you see this beautiful picture of the church. And so Acts chapter four, verse 32 to 37 says this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were, that all. let me try that again. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Amazing. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You know, what an awesome passage of Scripture. And this paints a beautiful picture of what the church is called to be like. They had one mind and one heart, and they were united around God's mission. And Let me just say, like, when you're filled with a passion to see lost people reached, you've got no time for foolishness, okay? I think at times when churches lose their focus and forget why they exist, that's when, like, foolishness starts to creep in. But as we look at the book of Acts, and as we think about why does the church even exist, Jesus birthed the church, Jesus made the church in Acts chapter 2, to see lost people reached and see lives transformed. That's it. Every local church is supposed to be about that business, every single one of them. And when we lose that laser focus, we get messed up doing other things that Jesus has not designed the church to do. Because Jesus designed the church to have a laser focus on reaching lost people and seeing lives transformed. Amen? And that's exactly what we see happening in the early church. That was the focus. And I'm praying that Coastal Church would never lose that focus. That's literally why Coastal Church is here. To see lost people reached that don't know Jesus and to see lives transformed by the gospel. Amen? That's why we exist. And people were, I love this picture. Like, people were so captivated by that vision. and And it wasn't just like this idea, like, we're hoping that this happens. No, they were literally seeing people get saved. They were literally seeing lives transformed. And they're like, they were so captivated by this mission. They were like compelled by the Holy Spirit to saying, we're all in. Whatever it takes. Like, I'll sell my car. I'll sell my camel. I don't care. Like, I want to invest in this mission. The Holy Spirit compelled them. It says, the Bible says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. You see, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were compelled to invest in the kingdom. And the early church understood that everything they owned, it actually belongs to God anyways. And so they used their resources to actually advance God's kingdom. And it's incredible because they were witnessing the apostles teach and preach and and seeing, like I said, people come to faith in Jesus. The Bible says that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. I love living in this community. I love it. (laughs) And one of the things I love about this community is that when there is needs arise, this community rises up and meets it. You believe that? Let me just tell you a story. So my, my wife hasn't been able to come to church for like ever. And she's here, here with me tonight. And we just went through COVID not that long ago. And it was amazing how much this church blessed us when we were sick with COVID. Because the very first night, someone showed up at our doors and they went grocery shopping for us. A couple days later, how many know we had some snowstorms here the last couple weeks? Mm-hmm and we had two people from our church shovel and then plow out our driveway. Then we had multiple people drop off coffees, and someone dropped off a pizza. I mean, it was just crazy how much we were blessed during that time. Because this community actually embodies what this scripture was talking about. For whatever reason, the Lord has blessed this community and this church to be really, really cognizant when there's needs in the community. And people don't just say, like, if you need anything, let me know. They're like, no, I'm coming. What do you need, right? But that's exactly what the church in Acts was all about. There was no needy person among them. And I love that God has helped us, and I mean, we're still growing and learning how to do this, but that's something that this church and this community does. There's no needy person among them. The, the Bible in Acts chapter 4 goes on to talk about how, you know, People from time to time would sell houses and land. They were so committed to seeing this mission of seeing lives transformed and seeing lost people come to Jesus. I love this. This is crazy. This is radical. But this is what it says. It says, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Isn't that amazing story? So they, they sold what their possessions and brought it in. And I love the phrase that says, they put it at the apostles' feet. Because that, that phraseology says there's no strings attached. You do with this what the Lord wills for it to be done. There's a surrender to that. There's a trust there. And, and obviously, the apostles needed to be good stewards, and there's a certain fear of the Lord. If you read Acts chapter 5, you need to make sure, like, like, it's kind of a scarier passage, but there is a weight to that. There's a trust involved there. But I love that picture of selflessly, like, no strings attached. We believe in God's mission, and we want to invest. I love that picture. But why on earth would, would they do that? Why would they be so radical and sell their house or land or whatever they had? Like, It's because they were gospel-motivated. And that's one of our values. We'll be moved and motivated by the love of Christ for all people. The Bible says that the love of Christ compels us. It moves us in the inner parts to do something. You know, last week I talked about how when the new year came over, like the Lord just kind of did something in me. And one of the things the Lord did in me when the new year started was the Lord gave me a word. It was one sentence and it just came to me one day. I think I was driving. And it was, reach the lost at all cost. Reach the lost at all cost. The early church was bought in to reaching the lost at all cost. The apostles were bought in. To reaching the lost at all costs. As a matter of fact, 11 of the 12 disciples gave their life. They were killed for their faith. It cost them their very lives. They were so committed to reaching the lost at all costs and serving the mission of Jesus that it cost them their very lives. And here's the deal, church. Reaching the lost cost us something. It cost our time. It costs our talent, and it costs our treasure. You know, my responsibility as a preacher is, is, is both to encourage you, but also to inspire and challenge you. Last week I came in, and my heart was so heavy for you because I just felt like a lot of us had the life kicked out of us. And we just needed to know that God wants to pour life into us. And so last week was an encouraging message that I really wanted to give to you and just encourage you. And and oftentimes those messages are more receiving. But then there's times as a preacher where I'm challenged and called to you actually to do something, to like kind of move into action or to do something with your faith. And those don't feel like receiving messages like, okay, God, you want me to do something with my life. And that's kind of, this message tonight is more in that vein. And I just got thinking about Coastal. And over the past two plus years, we've seen some amazing stories. We've seen God do some pretty awesome things. And it's hard to believe that like we've been at church in the pandemic more than we were not in the pandemic. Okay. It's like however long it's been, two years. And we've been at church in the pandemic. We're only like two and a half years old. But God has like been faithful. Like, I don't know, like a lot of churches that planted a church that are still kicking, that have gone through a pandemic, but the Lord's been faithful, amen. And He's kind of kept things on the rails. He's been faithful. And not only has he kept things on the rails, but he's done some amazing things in our church. And last week I talked about how I believe God wants to bring you as an individual into a new season of life. Well, something I'm very excited about is I believe that God wants to bring Coastal into a new season of life. I believe in terms of vision, in terms of and, – and Brett, when he prayed tonight, and he said it at the start, and I'm so glad he shared this, like a lot of us in this room – have forgotten how to hope and believe again. Because this last season of life, the last couple of years, has caused us to like be disappointed over and over again. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, I said last week. But God wants us to dream and believe again. Because he still has a plan for Coastal Church, amen? He still has a plan and he wants to unfold his plan and purpose. And part of that plan is to bring us into a season of being rooted and grounded. Last summer, AJ gave us a word for our three campuses, and it was being rooted and grounded. It came from Colossians chapter 2. And he just really felt that we were in a season where God wants to kind of solidify our foundations, where we wanted to put roots down. That's one of the reasons why we're jumping in Romans here shortly, but, but bring us into a season where we get rooted and grounded. And I am so convinced that that is a word for Coastal Church, that God wants to bring us into a season of stability, A season of being stable. Because when you're stable, you can kind of launch from there and impact a community. And I dream about, like, what could God do through Coastal to impact Barrington? This year. Next year. And in the years to come. Because I think we're just scratching the surface. We're just the tip of the iceberg with the kingdom potential that lies in this church. And so I'm excited for the season that God has for us. You know, stability is a springboard that launches us into effective ministry. And there's kind of like four things that helps build this stability. Stability comes from spiritual maturity, from kingdom community, from godly direction, and from missional investing. You know, missional investing is when You see a local church, you believe in their mission, and you're like, I want to invest my treasure to see that mission fulfilled. And most of the people in our church here that give, they give because they believe in this church. Most people that give in this church believe because they believe in the mission of taking Jesus into every community in Southwest Nova. That's why you give. You're inspired to give because you believe in our mission and our vision. You know, a lot of people love to give to causes. But I would argue that, according to Jesus, the church might be the greatest cause, cause ever in existence. The church is the cause with the greatest potential. God said that through the church, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine, because his power is at work within us. Doesn't that sound like potential? Yeah. Investing in an effective local church pays eternal dividends. Because when you invest in a local church, that church is impacting and reaching people for Jesus. And you're storing up treasure in heaven. So here's the call. I think it's easy for each and every one of us. I think if we were to pick, like, what to invest, we would want to invest our time and our talent. We value our time and talent, but those are probably the easiest two to invest. The thing we struggle with the most is investing our treasure. Because money has that, like, grip on us. And that's why Jesus spoke about it. He said, you can't serve God and serve mammon or serve money. But God is challenging us to to do that, to invest in our local church. I, uh, I recently had a guy this past week ask me about tithing. And as a pastor, I often get questions about that. And even as I bring it up, like, you can feel the tension in the room. It's like that thing, right? But I had someone ask me this past week about tithing and ask some questions about that. And for some reason, it's a really hard conversation. But I don't think it should be. To me, tithing is an incredibly exciting conversation because it's all about actually unlocking God's blessing. Unlocking God's blessing for the church, but also unlocking God's blessing. For those that give. Because God actually promises that when you give to the Lord, he will bless you. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, 9 to 10. The Bible says to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then what? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So when you honor God with your wealth, what does God promise as a principle? Blessing. So I think there's a whole lot of people missing out on a whole lot of blessings because they're not investing in God's kingdom. And I'm not trying to, like, yes, I want to fuel the vision that is coastal, and I want people to invest in the vision, but more than that, I want you to experience the blessing of giving, because God actually promises blessing to you and your family if you invest in his mission and his kingdom. God wants to bless you, and as we look at the story in the book of Acts, like, their return on investment was, like, immediate. Like, they brought in their, their stuff, their money, and they set it at the apostles' feet, and people were getting saved. The kingdom was growing. People were being impacted. Like, what's worth more than that? What's worth more than seeing a life transformed by Jesus? I don't think there's a whole lot of things. Talk about a return on investment. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out this time. These people were willing to reach the lost at all cost. The early church was called to reach the lost at all cost. Is God calling us to do the same? The early church was called to reach the lost at all cost. Is God calling us to do the very same thing? Is God calling us to reach the lost at all cost. It will cost our time. It'll cost our talent. And maybe the hardest one, it'll cost us our treasure. But it'll be worth it. Because lost people matter. Because changed lives matter. Because meeting the needs of other people matter. So let me get real practical. We're a new church. Giving to a local church, and if... Coastal's not your home church. I encourage you, give to whatever church is your home church. But maybe you've never given to the church before, and maybe your next step is say, I'm just going to start giving. Or maybe you've given to the church before, but maybe it's been more like a tip versus a tithe, And maybe you're just going to make that step to saying, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment to give God my first fruits because I believe in the mission of this church, and I want to see kingdom expansion happen. I want to see Coastal become all that God has called it to be, so I'm going to invest. Or maybe, maybe you're in the Acts chapter 4 category, and God is speaking to you about making a major kingdom move. Maybe God is moving you to, like, do something crazy for the kingdom. He's inspiring you to invest in something major, like selling, selling land like they did, like, like good old Barnabas did in Acts chapter 4. Maybe God's calling you, like, on a radical level. This takes a lot of pressure off me. Let God speak to you. Don't Don't let, like, Jay speak to you and tell you what you should do. I believe, I just trust that God is speaking to you about this area of your life. He's not guilting you into giving. He's not shaming you into giving. He's not pressuring you into giving. God just has a way of speaking to us and inspiring us with what we're supposed to do. But don't miss the fact that giving unlocks blessing as a principle in your life. And as your pastor, I want you to experience every single blessing God has for you. And I think a lot of us are leaving blessings on the table because we're not giving. And so I just want to encourage you with all my heart. Let the Lord captivate you with his mission and go all in. Because Jesus went all in for us, didn't he? He gave it all for us so we could experience life. And God calls us in return. The love of God, it's love so amazing and so divine, it demands my soul, my life, my all. And so we give God back our time. We give God back our talent. And maybe the hardest one of all, we give God back our treasure because he is worthy of our praise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your grace in this place. Thank you for how good you've been to us. And Lord, would you pour out your spirit in this place? Have your way, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.